0: We live in a world of vast spiritual beliefs, and the common denominator that I find, I I do this, I love to talk to people about their spiritual beliefs, about their faith, and uh, the common denominator that I often hear from people in their approach to God is fear, that God is a concept or a person or something in their lives that they often get afraid of, you know? And I can tell when I begin to start talking about God, people get very nervous, uh, especially if they, you know, uh, haven't really had a lot of spiritual experience or haven't had a really lot of discussions about this. Uh, It it can be kind of something that is the elephant in the room, you know? Uh, You don't really talk about it. You don't really think about it. It's just kind of private for everybody. And the moment the discussions start coming, it can become very uneasy Very kind of, you know, uh, oh man, you know, we're going to to the God car, you know, it's kind of a, because there's a bit of an anxiety when it comes to talking about God. Oftentimes, if you look at the Old Testament, they approached God from the standpoint of fear. I don't mean just fear in terms of respect, I mean fear in terms of fright. You know, they had a a bit of a perspective that, you know, God was going to get you. Uh, God was going to get you. He'll find you out sooner or later. And so a lot of people had quite a hesitation when it came to God. And of course, you know, for other religions, uh, if you've ever studied, studied any, for other religions, God is what's called transcendent. He's very far away, you know. Christianity has the unique perspective that God is close, that God is literally in this room. He's literally in our hearts. He's all around It's what makes us uncomfortable sometimes. But for other religions, God's very far away, very transcendent, not concerned with the daily affairs of life. But you have no further to look than Genesis chapter 2, where it says that when God created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve began to work their little garden, the Garden of Eden, when they knocked off in the afternoon, it seems as all people done from the beginning of time, what would they do? They would meet up with God, their creator, and he would walk and talk with them in the cool of the day, meaning in the afternoon, early evening. Why? Because God is definitely that God of relationship, a God of friendship. The very fact that fear stands between human beings and God is something that God hates. It's something that God died so that that could no longer happen, no longer exist. That's not the way he wants the relationship. So when we approach God with fear, it's far more our problem, and it's not God's. All God ever needed to do in order to become total and complete, intimate friends with us again, he did at the cross when Jesus died for our sins and rose for our eternal life. Make sense? But it's weird to think of God as friend. I remember once a very good friend of mine, uh, I was a youth leader, not, not the youth pastor at the time, he was the youth pastor, and one of the teenage girls came up and uh, had done something wrong and was really afraid that God was mad at her, and, and uh, over the course of, of our conversation, it realized that she'd not really had a strong relationship with God or any relationship with God at all, and so the youth pastor began to pray for her, and he, he said these words, and it really just burned deep in me, he took her hand and he said, sweetheart, why don't you just accept Christ in your heart right now? I promise you, he will be the best friend you've ever had. And man, when he said that, I just, I like, I, I, I warmed up, to, I, I, I got that. It, it sunk deep into my heart. Yes, Jesus wants to be the best friend we've ever had. And so today, we're going to be talking about Moses part two, because Moses was the first person in the Bible, very, very literally, to, to use this word, Ruel. Actually, his, his father Jethro was, but that was simply his name. This was used of Ruel, which is friend of God in Exodus chapter 33. And so by looking at this, I want to examine how God's friendship works with us and how our friendships are supposed to work with each other. Amen? Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, I pray you'd open up our minds and our hearts to be open. To be open, God, not closed. Not already having drawn our conclusions, but to be open to what you would say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point this morning is very simple. Friends don't let friends take the easy way out. Friends don't let us take the easy way out. In Exodus chapter 13, the, the, the Israelites have crossed the Red Sea. They've just defeated, the God just defeated the Egyptian army. Remember, the Red Sea cl- closes over in on the Egyptian army, and now they're free. Now they have no one pursuing them. And here's the interesting thing. They're standing, imagine you want to get to Hodels, right? Everybody know where Hodels is? Who doesn't know where Hodels is? All right, everybody knows where Hodels is, okay? Let's say you are at 99 and Panama. Right, and you want to get to Hodels, and God says, "I want you to take Panama Lane all the way out to Allen Road, all the way up to Seventh Standard, all the way back over to Golden State Freeway—not the highway, but the, the, the you know the little road that down to Knutson and to Hodels." What would you think? That's the what—the the long way, right? W- wouldn't you rather say, oh, "Wait a minute"? Uh, we can just go straight up 99, get off at Olive Drive, and it's right there. You know? Is there anybody here that does not get the logic of that? The way that God took Israel to the promised land was down Panama, up to Allen, up to Seventh Standard. He took them clear up the shafter, you know, and back down. It was the long way to get to the promised land. Why? Well, here's the thing. In verse 17, you see it. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was the shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God was toughening them up. He said, you know what? I got a bunch of ex-slaves as my people. And right now, if I lead them into the promised land and they face any military resistance, they might just tuck tail and run. And God's saying, you know what? As a father, I need to toughen them up. I need to strengthen them. In order to strengthen them, they need to know me. They need to see me. They need to see my power. They need to know that when my cloud goes before them, that's all they need to drive out the armies that they were going to be facing but he had just seen what they did when the Egyptian army was pursuing them. They were ready to drop everything and run back to slavery. And so God said, you know what? Even though the short way might be the easy way, it's not going to be your way because the easy way is not always the best way. The easy way is not always the right way. Sometimes we've got to go through the hard knocks of life and those are God-given because he's toughening us. He's growing us. He's strengthening us. He's testing us. And that's just how God does it. I know a lot of times we think, man, it'd be great if we could just, if God could just snap our fingers and we're already that way, but God's a process God. God likes the process of things. He doesn't want to get everything done in a day. He'll take a week. He'll take a month. He'll take a year. That's okay with God. That may not be okay with us, but it's quite okay with God. One time, uh, there was a, a, a friends of mine, and this is always difficult. When you have friends, but you're also their pastor, sometimes that can be a very difficult thing to have. And I was, this was, I, was, I was younger, much younger, and they were close to my age. They wanted to get married. But I have a policy that I don't like to marry anybody unless I go through 10 hours of pre-marriage counseling with them. That's my rule. That's my policy. Uh, with half of all marriages ending in divorce, I think 10 hours is the least somebody can do to prepare for the commitment of a lifetime, right? We, we have more hours of training to get a driver's license than a marriage license. So, you know, I, 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 so I, I told them, I said, well, I said, yeah, I'm willing to marry you, but we're gonna have to meet for these 10 hours. Oh, no, no, we wanna get married quick. Uh, we wanna get married in three weeks. Now, they had been tentatively engaged, but they were kind of like one of those engaged couples that were just engaged for years, and then all of a sudden, they want to get married right away, you know? I didn't know their motive. I didn't know what was going on, but but I said, look, I'm sorry. I just, I, I you know, they were very angry at me. I said, look, you, you can't take the easy way out on this. I don't care how long you've been engaged. Once you get married, the spiritual attack changes, and you need to be prepared for it, and so this is this is my thing. I'm sorry, you know, you're gonna have to get somebody else, and they were very angry with me. And I was angry with them, I'll be honest with you. I was angry with them. I remember thinking in my heart, man, they're just taking the easy way out, the short way. They're not anything of value is going to cost us something, especially time. Yeah, but I did, you know, I mean, but what we, you know, I, all of that was really hidden in my heart and I smiled, and we shook hands and and they invited me to the wedding. I did go because they were friends. But I remember just that feeling of sweet justice. <laughs> About two or three years later, when they're like, you know, Tom, we need, we need to meet. There's, uh, there's some marriage stuff we need to work out. And uh, you know us. Uh, we could go to a pastor that doesn't know us very well, but then that pastor would have to take so much time to figure us out. You know us, and we're willing to accept whatever you have to say. You know, we just, we just want to, we got some things we can't get past. And uh, they got in those 10 hours. Uh, but they got in those 10 hours the hard way, because those 10 hours turned into like six to eight months. Of uh, meet with me, praying some things out, and and again, you know, friends don't let friends take the easy way out, you know. And a lot of times, friends can be our worst enablers, you know. Oh, don't worry. Oh, I'll take care of that for you. Oh, when a lot of times a true friend will say, Hey, look, you're going to have to go through this. I'll go through it with you, but you're going to have to go through. It. You're going to have to face this. Remember, one time I had wronged somebody, a friend of mine said, Look, you're going to have to go apologize. No, I, no, that's embarrassing. Look. You're going to have to go apologize. I'll go with you, but you're going to have to go apologize. You can't, you can't just move on and say nothing. Okay, that was a true friend. Same with God. Don't always let us take the easy way out. And that will be the relationship that God has with us. We're going to want to say, God, let's just do the fast track on this area of my heart. And God will say, you know what? i'm okay you know going the long road on some things so just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean god has abandoned you it means he's like the like the israelites he's taking you the long road to get to the promised land amen amen number two friends help show the way forward exodus chapter 13 by day the lord went ahead of them why did the lord go ahead of them because he was showing them where to go he was taking them the long way, but nobody really went the long way. The short way was known because it's the short way. Anybody with a brain would take the short way. The long way wasn't so known. So God is a, being a good friend and showing them the way forward. It says, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. Uh, and by night, I'm sorry, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And then by night, that pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire. That would have been a neat thing to see. Uh, to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. And believe me, they probably preferred to travel by night. Uh, who here has walked in a hot desert in the middle? Oh, I live in Bakersfield. Never mind. <laughs> Verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God was always that person in front, leading, guiding, come this way. We're gonna go that way. We're gonna go that way. We're gonna go that way. This is where we're gonna, God went before them and he made it clear where they were gonna go. God did this corporately for the tribes of Israel. He does this individually with us. You ever look at Moses in the beginning? You know what Moses said? When God first came to Moses and said, Moses, I pick you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. You know what Moses said? He said, I'm not good enough. I don't know how to speak. These people won't follow me. Uh, Believe me, God, you don't want me. Talk about a hero of the Bible who began his life with some seriously low self-esteem. It's Moses beat down, rejected, in exile. And he says, God, I'm not your guy. You know what the beauty of God is? He's saying, Moses, no matter where you are now, in friendship with me, I'm gonna bring you and move you forward. Maybe you can't speak now, but I can teach you how to speak. Maybe you don't have courage now, but I can give you courage. Maybe you hesitate too much. I can give you boldness. God never leaves us where we are. He moves us forward to where we're going. I shared on Friday night that later on, Moses is gonna say, God, I wanna see your face. And God says, you can't see my face and live, but I'll tell you what, my hand is gonna put you in the cleft of a rock, and when I pass by, you'll be able to see my back. And when Moses looked and saw God, he saw God where God was going not the face of God of where he'd been. It's a beautiful picture. A lot of times, that is exactly what God is doing with us. We got things, I got things, man, I got hangups. I can't tell you how many days I look in the mirror and I think, why are you a pastor? You're short, you're fat, you can't speak worth a darn, you know? I mean, I, I look and I think, God, I mean, I look at some of you right now, and I think, you'd make some good-looking pastors. You know what I mean? You can speak. You got presence. I'm thinking, God, what in the world? And I just think of Moses. And God said, you know, Tom, that may have been who you were or where you started, but stick with me, because where you end up, I am taking you forward in life, not leaving you stuck in the past. Hallelujah. The only time I ever got, amen. The, the only time I ever got, well, I, I, do, I do have a little bit of an anger, Issue a bit, <laughs> not a big one. When I'm with Tim, I have a bit of a more of an anger problem, but that's not because of Tim. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I I and I was meeting with a couple a, 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 for marriage counseling, and this is this was one of my much younger, more immature days. And and what I kept hearing from the husband were things like this: "Well, honey, you know you can't do that." Uh, well, dear. You know that you get really stressed out in these situations. No, no, Tom, we, we can't go down this road. You know, something happened to her as a child, and, 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 and I finally pounded my desk and I said, Stop! Stop holding your wife back! You are binding her to all these things in the past. You're defining her by all of these weaknesses, and that's not what God's in the business of. He's in the business of listing all these weaknesses and saying, all right, let's move forward. We're gonna grow through this stuff. You're not gonna be defined by what you can't do because with God, you're defined by what you can because it's him doing it through us. And I got furious, you know, and you know, and I, and then I had to apologize because he was trying to be nice who's trying to be comforting his motives i I know some you know some guys can be jerks and they they really want to kind of stifle things but he, he really i think was trying to do the right thing he had the right heart the wrong method as you know god was god was she was obviously there to move beyond the past and he was keeping her stuck in it why because friends help friends move forward not stay stuck in the past number three Friends, reciprocate the relationship. In Exodus chapter 33, this is what Moses says to God. He says, God, or or this is what God says to Moses. No, I'm sorry, this is what Moses says to God. (laughs) You have said, God, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. And Moses says this, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Moses' relationship with God wasn't, God give me this, God bless me with this, God deliver me from this, God show me this, God talk to me about this, and I I can get in these seasons where I start doing that, you know, where all of a sudden I got to step back and realize, wait a minute, Jesus wants to be the best friend we've ever had, and yet my relationship is far more one of a taking relationship, you know? take and take and take from God. Moses tells us in this verse how we give back to God in friendship. You know how we get back to God? He says, teach me your ways that I may know you. He's saying, God, teach me your ways so that I may walk in your ways and all of what you give me, I give back to you an obedient heart. A heart that wants to know you, and a heart that wants to walk in your ways. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? What did Jesus say? He said, "You love me if you do what I'm telling you to do." Not, not, now that can be abusive, you know, uh, you know, in a relationship. Well, if you don't do this, you don't really love me. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, the way you can show your love for me, because I don't have, Jesus doesn't have any needs. He's God, right? But the way you can show your love, listen to what I've said and follow it. Not only will it be a reciprocal friendship with me, but it'll bless you as you walk in my ways. Amen? Amen. And then finally, number four, friends relate (laughs) face-to-face. The Lord's... uh, i won't read the whole thing but essentially after moses says i want to learn your ways he says something very interesting he says god show me your glory that's a pretty bold thing for someone to say especially for a dude in the new old testament they were afraid of god they did not want to see his glory they were content to just receive blessing but moses says god i've seen your manifestations burning bushes and things like that. But God, I want to see you in your glorious form. And God says, Moses, you can't. You can't see my face. If you see my face now, it'll kill you. You can see my back, but you can't see my face what I wish would have been written was the words, not yet. Because Moses would one day see the face of God. You know when? In the transfiguration. Remember, Moses wanted to see the face of God. Jesus walks up this mountain and all of a sudden his divine glory just begins to shed out of him. And Moses and Elijah are there. And Moses gets to see the face of God. What did Jesus say to Philip? He said, Philip, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. Anybody who has seen me has seen God. In the book of Colossians, Paul says, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives. So if we go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, I don't know if I got it up there or not, but it literally says this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I did a meeting once where one friend in, a, in the church had believed a lie about another friend. You ever have that? Somebody tells you about something about your friend, And you know your friend. You love your friend. But there's a part of you that's like, maybe he did think that about me. Maybe he did say that about me. I mean, we're all human, right? Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. And so this guy began to distance himself and gossip and talk bad about the other guy. The only problem was, it was a lie. Guy never said said anything wrong, never did anything wrong. So finally... It all comes out what happened, and there's another person instigating it, and and they get together, they shake hands on it, and he says, I'm sorry. So I'm thinking, Man, that's great. Awesome. Some of these times some things like this can destroy a church. You guys are able to kiss and make oh, they didn't kiss, but you know, shake hands and make up. Well, about three months later, one of the guys, the guy who had believed the lie, he came into my office and uh, he just came in unannounced, too, and, he's like, and he starts talking. says, hey, let's go no a conference room. I took him to a conference room. And he said, you know, he said, uh, I'm really struggling. I said, why? He said, we're still not friends. Uh, he says he's forgiven me, and I've forgiven him, but it, it ruined our friendship. And I don't know if we'll ever be friends like we were or if we'll ever be friends at all. We don't hate each other, but it's just... I can tell he no longer wants to be friends with me. And uh, I told him, I said, I can't help you with that one. I can't. I can't force his will to be your friend. I wish he would be your friend. It was just a big mistake, big misunderstanding, but... There was a breach of trust and, and, and God doesn't force us <laughs> to do stuff. So there's genuine forgiveness, but you know, you may have lost the friendship and you may have to live with that. I could tell it wasn't what he wanted to hear. I said, but, but here, on this one. People may do that to people. You may make a mistake and it costs you the friendship. But thank God... God doesn't do that to us. God will never be that friend that even though he forgives you, he's no longer friends with you. And I've talked to a lot of people, they say, you know what? I feel forgiven by God, but I don't feel like I'm his friend. Believe me, Moses did a lot of bonehead things. Before Exodus 33, Moses did a lot of dumb things. And God still was proud and honored to call him his friend. God still brought Moses back to see Jesus transfigured on the mountain because Moses was such a friend of God and he did a lot of dumb things up until the, his dying breath Moses was a Moses was just like you and I to his dying breath and so this morning my encouragement is God doesn't want us to fear him All that fear was paid for and taken away by the cross of Jesus Christ. All our sins are forgiven at the cross of Jesus Christ. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, not because we're so good, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He wants to be our friend, the friend that sticks closer to a brother, the friend where even when we don't want to be friends with him, he keeps forgiving us and he'll never walk away from us That's what Moses showed us. And now may we all go before God and say, God, show me your glory. Why? Moses was never rebuked by God for wanting to see his face. God never said, Moses, how dare you? I'm the king of the universe. You asked to see my face. Who do you think you are? No, God wants us to get face to face with him. That's part of why Jesus came. That's part of why he filled us with his spirit. So that now, in the faces of each other, we can, in just a small way, see the face of God and live. This morning, a lot of us may have been in that first category. You know, God is still that God of fear for me. I don't know what he would do if he showed up in in my bedroom. When I was all alone there, and I don't know if he'd yell at me, I don't know if he'd hug me. The message this morning is God wants to be your friend, and that friendship comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, if everybody would bow their heads, including the worship team, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you'd like to become God's friend, have that relationship with Jesus Christ, have all of your sins forgiven. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just go ahead and look up at me right now. Amen. 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 Why don't we say this together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me for all my sins, for filling me with your spirit, and for being my faithful friend. May I also be yours. Teach me your ways that I may follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.